Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. Welcome to Pride Month, where we're celebrating a month full of LGBTQ excellence. How are you today, Spring? Speaking of excellence. <laughs> Excellent. How do you know my answer without even asking me? Have you ever actually said, like, excellent when someone asks how you're doing in a day? I, okay. I actually always answer this question, honestly. Um, so I probably have. Um, I've also said a lot of other things. I never say fine. I will tell people exactly how I'm feeling when they ask me. Um, which I love. I love being honest and vulnerable and sharing that. People sometimes get upset. Sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you shouldn't have asked me that. <laughs> but I'm feeling pretty excellent. Pretty excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm having a pretty good day. Um, it's it's My office is warm and kind of sticky, but I guess that makes sense because it's beautiful. It's summer. We're not going to talk about weather anymore. <laughs> show, There's other like uh, tropical tidbits is the best like a weather patreon if you see that's so it's not boring it's just not interesting enough for us um so we're in the midst of pride month um how much do we talk about today spring well i'm really excited i mean so we've been doing you know pride related episodes all month and normally we rotate um we have a lot of different topics we try to cover on the show and we'll um make sure we hit an lgbt one like once a month um, and so this month we're doing all LGBT plus 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 issues, um, so that we are really focusing on pride and really making sure that, um, we are celebrating it as intended. So I love that we're doing that this month. I think it's really important for us to, um, focus in and like have a lot more discussions about this. And um, today we're talking about a lot of myths related to LGBT um, people. And I think these are so important to discuss because some of these things just become so commonly heard in our culture that you might not realize that they're actually myths, right? So sometimes, you know, you hear people saying these things and they just start to become like background noise and people just start to think, oh yeah, that's true. I've heard it so many times. So that's what we're doing today. We're going in to identify these myths. So we're going to talk about some of them, talk about where some of them are coming from, talk about, you know, some of the facts behind this um, and really dig into this because um, it's really important that we all know the truth and that we're not spreading fictional things around either on social media or by our mouths. And it's now more important than ever for people to be armed with solid information. Um, like we're on social media and our social media is constantly putting out real healthy facts, like actual real world information. Unfortunately, so much of what we see in the world is really like negative information or purposefully ignorant information. And sometimes that information is being spread to be purposefully harmful. Um, so we just need to be really careful um, with where we're getting information. And that's part of the reason Spring and I have been on this project talking with all of you for the last five years. I can't believe it's been five years. Because um, we <laughs> want to make sure that there is a source for good information. Um, so uh, we do get all kinds of questions and comments, both on social media and email. Um, and today we're just going to take a whole bunch of different kind of comments that we've received over the last four or five years and and try to shed some light on them. And we've broken up these 
myths into some different kinds of categories. And we're just going to chat for a while. I think it's important um, to stay at the beginning of the episode that if we started talking about myths attributed to LGBTQ plus people, we could keep going forever, right? People are terrified of sexuality. People still have all of these issues with themselves and homophobia and transphobia and misogyny. And each of those different kinds of hate comes with a whole bunch of myths that sort of support it. So we're just scratching the surface today on a few of them. But if you like this episode, um, and if you like what we do here, let us know, send us an email or leave a comment in our DMs um, (laughs) on our social media. And maybe we'll do some more specific because today we're just going to be doing mostly big, broad myths about LGBTQ plus. Yeah. All right. So, um, I don't know. This is one that I hear all the time. It's one that I've been accused of. I don't know if you've ever been accused of this before, Spring. Um, have you ever heard that being LGBTQ is just a phase? Yeah, for sure. I'm bisexual. Of course I have. That's like the main, that's the main thing people say to bisexual people. <laughs> like you're just bi on the way to gay town, right? Like, or bi on the train to gay town, whatever it is. Or I think even, um, you know, it's even like, oh, it's just like, oh, you're just curious. You're just checking out girls, but you'll be back like to dating only men also. So it's like the, it goes both ways. It's like either, oh, you're just testing that out. It's just a phase or it's like, oh, you're actually gay and you're not actually bi. It's like it goes both ways, right? <laughs> goes both ways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bye joke. <laughs> I think the same thing happens for almost every part of that LGBTQ plus like alphabet. Um, like I, I've been gay for a very long time. This is the longest phase I've ever had, probably about <laughs> as long as like uh, I can remember. Um, but uh, when I came out, like people around me were like, oh, well, it's just a phase. Oh, you're just experimenting. Oh, you, you're just confused. Hate to tell it to you, world. LGBTQ identities are not a phase. Um, and along with that whole being a phase, sometimes people call it a choice as well. These kind of go together where, oh, it's just temporary. It's not real. It's not really who you are. Or it's a choice. Um, right. And, and, and the, the choice argument comes up all the time. It comes up in legislation as well. Because if something is just a choice, you could choose not to be that thing as well. Right. And the choice argument is total bunk. Uh, like if you ask a straight person, like, when do you choose to be straight? They go, what? I've always been this way. There was no choice. I've always been attracted to or I've always been into whatever this is. It's the same thing for LGBTQ people as well. It's not a choice. The only choice we have is whether or not we're going to be honest with you and the rest of the world, right? Because we can hide in a closet and not tell people how we feel. Um, but our actual identities are absolutely not a choice. And, and we got to get it out of that language. Like whenever someone says sexual preference, what's your sexual preference? Like, I'm like, well, lights on or lights off. That's a preference. Right. Right. And pref- yeah, preference just implies, right, that it's not real again. It's like saying it's discrediting it. Right. And so that's what a lot of these things have in common, that it's like taking away the reality of the situation. Absolutely. So there are really attacks on your identity, like your identity isn't valid. Your identity isn't real. Your identity is just temporary. Your identity is a choice. All of those things are a myth. Spring and I could probably post hundreds of papers and talk to you for hours and hours and hours about like the huge wealth of information and research and data that we have saying that, you know what, if someone is gay, they're gay. It is not a choice. It is not a preference. And I think the other part of this that's 
pretty important for us to talk about is that being gay is not caused by all of those other myths out there. Like you have an absent father or a controlling mother, or you're really feminine or masculine, depending on if you're a male or a female, or if you have a bad or if women have bad sexual experiences, they'll end Mm -hmm. up turning into lesbians. Now, all of our women listeners out there, this one always makes me laugh because I think probably 98% of my female friends have had terrible sexual experiences with men, especially the first few, um, because they didn't listen to our show ahead of time. Um, (laughs) If I mean, if bad, if bad sexual experiences or negative sexual experiences turn someone gay, like 90% plus of women would be gay. Yeah. I mean, it's like if, if a bad experience was that impactful, like then everybody everybody has had bad experiences. So everybody would be that, right? So it doesn't really make sense to say that because yes, bad experiences do impact us and um, they do sometimes create a, you know, a different way of thinking or different choices in our lives, but they don't change uh, like the very being of us, like who we're attracted to and like who we want to date. Um, and it could, it could make us fearful. It could also create like trauma responses, of course. And we definitely have talked about that. And, you know, we've talked about like how to kind of mitigate or um, make sure that's not, you know, taking over your life. But it definitely doesn't change your sexual orientation or your gender identity. Absolutely. And the other side of this is like having positive experiences with someone of the other sex or of your non-identity directed attraction will not convince you to be other than what you are either. Like, it's, it's not negative or positive. It's not familiar relationships. Nothing your parents did to you made you gay. I could tell a story. Um, when I had my very tumultuous coming out process, um, I had a cousin who called up my parents and then yelled at my dad, who I was already having a really rough time with, um, blaming him for making me gay. So like these myths are real and they're out there. And between Spring and I, I think people have told us every single one of these multiple times, probably within the last few years even. Um, but there are a lot of attacks on your identity. If anyone ever makes it seem like a choice or if someone uses the word like lifestyle, you, auto- you automatically know that they're they're being disingenuine, that they're not taking your identity seriously, and that they're trying to make it, you know, to seem like this, ah, oh, it's just, you know, temporary. It's not real. It's not a big deal. You know, maybe you'll be straight tomorrow. <laughs> Still not straight. And with that, we need to take a break. We'll keep talking about some of this when we get back. <laughs> All right, everybody. Today we're talking about different myths that society has um, and things that we hear pretty frequently about LGBTQ plus people. Um, so we were talking about some of these lifestyle. I think we should move into the what I call queers are gross myths. Queers are gross. <laughs> I love your category name here. <laughs> um, so like sometimes I call it like the ooey myths. Um, gay people make me feel ooey because I have all of these beliefs on them. Um, So I'm going to tie this back to the first part and just start out with the, you know, people will say very frequently, um, politicians will say, people making laws will say things like the LGBTQ plus lifestyle is unhealthy and dangerous. That is a myth, right? It is a myth. I mean, I think that, you know, people have 
reasons that they want to say this, right? So the agenda behind this would be that, you know, it's politically going to help the people saying that for some reason, right? They have some investment in the nuclear family. The nuclear family means like this mom, dad, two kid like type situation, right? So they have some investment in that being a priority. And so politically, they're saying this, they're giving us these myths that the LGBTQ lifestyle is unhealthy or dangerous in some way because they're trying to promote their own agenda. It isn't about um, even LGBTQ people really, right? It's like, it's just trying to promote something that they're interested in. And so they'll say things like this because it is helping their cause. And it it is not there. They have no truth behind it because they'll try to talk about it. And there's no, there's no facts. There's no research. There is nothing to actually support what they're saying. I mean, when someone says the word, your lifestyle of this group of people is unhealthy or dangerous, like, well, this morning I woke up, I had a glass of water, I responded to email for four hours. Email's the worst, everybody. If that's my lifestyle, it is unhealthy and dangerous, but it has nothing to do with me being gay. Um, no, I mean, like the word lifestyle is once again sort of an attack on that person or that person's humanity. The things that you do, the things that you do with your community are dangerous. Um, but I think we should talk about some of the ways that people define this. Um so sometimes people will say something like, you know, LGBTQ people are mentally ill or they have mental health problems or that being gay is unnatural. Like that's all part of this, like gays are gross uh, or queers are gross myths that people use. Um, once again, if we look like the APA, that's the American Psychological Association or the American Medical Association or the Mer- American Pediatric Association, all of the big groups in the United States who keep you healthy in your life, all of the groups, all of the like the doctors and nurses, all of those groups say like there's no such thing. Like the, the lifestyle is not unhealthy and that they are not mentally ill. If they have a problem, if they have anxiety or depression, it comes from all of these people outside of them constantly telling them they're not good enough. Right. And so when you hear that, when you hear over and over that you are not valid, that you are gross, that you are not real, that this is unhealthy, like that actually really affects how you think, right? Because the more you hear messages, even if you don't believe them when you're hearing them, they get into your head. And that is like, you know, the crazy thing about this world. And that's why we have to be so careful about what we read and what we watch and what we scroll, because these messages get into our head. And like, you don't even have to believe them, but then internally, your brain will start to believe them. And so it does really affect people to be hearing these messages over and over, even if they can cognitively say, I know that's not true. Yep. Uh, It's one of those things where most of the time for people, if you're cisgendered and heterosexual, government says, you're great. We want to support you. We'll help you find relationships. We'll help you get married, right? So government does that. Education does that. Religion does that. Family does that. All of those groups kind of come together and say, well, we want to support you as a human being. We want to help you find a relationship. We want to help you build a family. Now, for a lot of people who are LGBTQ+, right? Like 
they get mixed messages across those different categories, right? Like maybe they go to a church that's affirming and the church is like, that's great. But then we might hear some other churches saying, no, you aren't great. And then we'll have some government officials say like, hey, you deserve equal rights. And others saying, we need to write laws that make your life harder. Um, So whenever we talk about mental health issues, um, they come from all of those external negative voices. I mean, like the average young LGBTQ plus person hears some kind of anti-gay slur every 20 to 30 minutes. Oh my God. That's so often. And it just walk around. That's so many times a day, right? Yeah. If you, it, right. It's like three times an hour and they, they don't even have to be directed at you. That's the thing about it. Like if you just hear those words, they're dehumanizing, right? They're attacks yeah. on your identity. There is something awesome I want to say here, though. Whenever someone says that being gay is unnatural or being queer or being trans or being any of the our alphabet, our lovely rainbow alphabet is unnatural, my response to them is penguins. What, are, what about penguins? See, here we go. Thank you for asking me. I'm like, so did you know that uh, in a whole <laughs> bunch of zoos all around the planet, there have been gay penguins naturally? Um, when we look into nature, there are hundreds of species where there are long-term, like same-sex couples that have been together in some species for decades. Um, the best, though, are the gay penguins. A whole bunch of zoos have had gay penguins where they're long-term partners. They hang out together for years. And then a couple zoos, like either a heterosexual penguin couple has decided not to take care of their baby or they couldn't take care of their egg. They gave it to the gay daddies and they have gay daddy penguins. And there are all of these, just type into YouTube, gay penguins. The videos will come up. Zoos all across the planet. Penguins are super cute and super gay. And then there were two gay dad penguins who had a baby penguin who was also gay. So there's gay dad penguins just naturally. They're just naturally gay. Yep, and they just- were just, they were just off being gay penguins together? The off being gay penguins together, the zookeepers were like, oh, well, look at uh, CeeLo and Roy were the couple that are in the uh, New York Zoo. Um, oh my God, I love this. I don't even know about these gay penguins. This is my favorite news story. I want this to be my bedtime story every night. Can you call me every night? We so should I can write the gay penguin book. I love this. Yeah. Just type gay penguins in, like tons of research, and it's super cute. Um, two gay penguins who adopted the egg of a couple that didn't want it anymore. Um, they raised a baby and it, its name was Kermit and it was also gay. So there's cute two gay dad penguins had a gay <laughs> baby penguin. There's like lesbian albatrosses. Like there's just tons of gay animals out there. So it is 100% natural. Um, so if you are ever feeling attacked or if someone's trying to make you feel unnatural, just say penguins to them and, and then you can let it go because you've won the argument. <laughs> penguins. Yeah. Okay. But along with this unnatural... Like people say gays are unnatural. There's all of these myths about LGBTQ plus people being threats to children and families. And Spring already talked about that a little bit with like threats to the nuclear family. Hint, sorry, it's not gays who are ruining the family. The bachelor, the bachelorette, the 50% divorce rate, on and on and on. Those are not the gays. Um, But people will say things like uh, gay men are more likely to molest children Um, And we know absolutely that's not the case. That data, anybody can get it. Just go to FBI reporting sites. We know that the vast, vast, vast majority of child molestation is heterosexual cisgendered men committing crimes against females under the age of 18. It's over 95%, right? Like it's just this huge percentage. But once again, it's that myth where people are like, oh, we don't want to talk about that. So we're going to, you know, create this scapegoat. We're going to say that it's gay people who are doing it and we're going to blame them. Um, 
which is absolutely not the case, right? Most of that abuse is not gay. Most of it is heterosexual men on young women. Um, and almost all of that is being perpetrated by heterosexual men as well. But once again, it's this myth that keeps perpetuating, like it, wow. it just keeps coming back and people keep saying it time and time again. Um, and that's one of the reasons why people will say things like, oh, well, LGBTQ people shouldn't be able to have kids. They shouldn't be able to adopt. They shouldn't be able to teach in classrooms. They shouldn't be able to do any of these kind of things. Um, drag queens shouldn't be able to read books to kids at libraries because they think, because they've listened to these myths that gay people are a threat to their children. They think that they're going to molest their children. And that's absolutely not the case. Yeah, I think that the stuff about like parents and teachers is so crazy because there's no evidence for any of that. There might even be evidence the opposite way, actually, that they're better parents, right? Um, I think we have some literature about um, people that are gay or lesbian as parents that, you know, are choosing to go through this parental process. Like they aren't, you know, accidentally having children because that is not possible for somebody who is gay or lesbian and that they're saying like, you know, I'm really purposely choosing to be a parent. And that's not always the case for um, people who are heterosexual. And so um, we have evidence showing that they are, good parents. They're definitely not bad parents. And, um, and, you know, so then we just have these myths flying around that are just, you know, again, they're just trying to serve an agenda. Yeah. I mean, so we, we look at if when we look at like, as you grow up, there are all kinds of people around you, like school psychologists and surveys that are looking at your adjustment. How well adjusted are you to the world? And then you get a little bit older and they're like, can you get a job? Can you hold down a job? Do you make money? Um, and what Spring is saying that there's evidence, we know that kids of LGBTQ parents the, sometimes and, and pretty frequently do a little bit better than kids of heterosexual cisgendered parents. Um, and often, and what Spring was saying, the reason why is because those parents have to work a lot harder. Like if there's two men um, and they want to have a baby, unless one of them is trans, uh, that they have to work extra hard and they need lots of money and they have to spend lots of time and they have to get like home health checks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Similar things for uh, uh, lesbians um, that they have to just work so much harder and that there are a lot of cases where um, children of heterosexual couples are not planned. Yeah. What, right. Do you know what that statistic is? It's like more than 50, it might be 60 or 70% of kids are not planned, not unloved, right? We're not saying that, you know, yeah. they're not unloved, but it just wasn't like one cocktail too many <laughs> or a broken condom or a failure of birth control. Like lots of things can cause that. Yeah. But we're not demeaning, you know, heterosexual couples. We're just saying that when we compare that kids, sometimes those outcomes are better for the kids of gay people. Yeah. All right. So uh, we've been talking about kind of these these queers are gross myths for a little while. Any other ones that we need to, <laughs> to hit? Um, I, I, there's all kinds of stuff we could talk about here. Like uh, we shouldn't let, you know, gay men or lesbians or people of trans experience be teachers because they'd bring their sexual orientation into the classroom. I don't even know what that argument means. Yeah, it's it's really confusing, right? Because you're saying that um, they are 
teaching their sexual orientation, which we know it can't be taught. We know that it is internal. We know that it is coming from inside us. We know that um, environments do not condition us to be one way or the other. Um, Experiences do not condition us to be one way or the other. When we're talking about sexual orientation, when we're talking about gender identity. So, um, it, it can't be taught. It's the same way it can't be taught out of someone, right? So um, the the fact that, you know, saying that a teacher would impact that just doesn't make sense. But also, I mean, um, it, it doesn't work the other way either, right? Like if um, a teacher is not married and, uh, but is heterosexual, like that doesn't mean that like the kids learn to not get married if they love someone, right? Like the teacher's romantic life is not even on display in the classroom. I actually don't ever remember a teacher talking to me about their partner in class as a child ever. Like the only way we would even know if someone was married was if they were a woman and they chose to use the prefix Mrs., right? That was the only way I even like had any clue if a teacher was even married. Like I had no idea about their personal life. So like, how could that, how could that even impact it? Like it just, these things don't make sense, right? They don't make sense. I do have one memory of one teacher who definitely, I had one teacher, I was in fourth grade, and they changed their last name four times in one year. I don't want to say their names because I don't <laughs> want to get in trouble. But um, they were married and divorced like three times in one year. It was nutty. But once again, this was this was a heterosexual, cisgendered person getting married and divorced a whole bunch of times. And um, it certainly raised some questions of, I don't know what to call you, but you know, like it, there was no real conversation about like relational status for students in fourth grade in a class anyway. Before we move off of queers are gross, right? All <laughs> these myths. Most I of think- these come with a little proviso that, that, that people try to insinuate that you can somehow fix gayness or you can right. cure gayness. Or if you just hide it from the world, no one else will ever be gay. And that is right. 100% not true right? Gayness is not an illness. It's not a disease. Transphobia is, or transphobia is a disease, right? Trans status is not an illness. It's not a disease. If you're bisexual, not a, not a disease. There's nothing to cure. There's nothing to treat. There's nothing to change. You aren't mentally ill. Your identity is valid. Um, and the, the real issue with all of these myths is, right, they're trying to dehumanize you. They're trying to make you a second-class citizen. They're trying to make it so that you feel that you have to change something about yourself to fit into the world. And that's just not the case, right? The only thing that you can change is if you're willing to lie to the world for the rest of your life, because we know that there are no treatments and no therapies that will change someone's sexual orientation. There's over 50 or 60 years of psychologists and doctors trying to change people's sexual orientations, and there is not one shred, not one scrap of evidence that this is a successful, healthy process. We know that when people do attempt to change their sexual orientations, the outcomes are almost always negative. And those people who go through those horrible processes have high rates of anxiety, high rates of depression, high rates of suicidal ideation, and some of the highest rates of suicide attempts because you can't change somebody's sexual orientation. Yeah, you just can't change it. It's it's normal. It's normal. That's it's why. Normal. <laughs> it's just who you are. And you're not gross, right? So these myths are about you being gross. And when someone comes to you with them, you say penguins. And with that, we need to go to break. We'll be right penguins. back. Penguins.
All right, everybody. So today uh, we've been talking about different kinds of myths. Um, and so far we've talked about some myths on your identity. We've talked about some myths uh, on that were meant to dehumanize you. Um, and I want to talk about progress for a little while, too, because it's kind of crazy if we look over our lifespan spring, gays have made so much progress. The LGBT spectrum has gotten so much bigger and so much brighter. And that rainbow, there's all of that language. I mean, we could do a whole episode just talking about flags, except it's hard to talk about flags because this is a podcast and not a YouTube channel. <laughs> we would just be describing a lot of colors. This one has pink. <laughs> um <laughs> But there are a lot of myths on progress as well. Um, so attacks on progress as well. And sometimes I, these are the ones where I, I don't think people even understand where the, where they're coming from. Um, but the first one is, I have a gay friend, so I'm an ally. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I love, I love that you have gay friends. Do you have gay friends? Almost exclusively. <laughs> and... And that's really important. That is important. I don't want to say that that's not important. Um, and it's not enough. That doesn't make you an ally just by having a friend that is gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer in any way, right? Being an ally is um, by it's like uh, using your voice. It's by taking action, right? Like it is doing things to actively say, I am here supporting you and your orientation and in your identity. Yeah. I mean, and allies are important. We love you allies. Like when I say LGBTA in my head, A is also ally because each of those letters can mean more than one thing too. Or we just add an extra A somewhere in there because allies are really a part of this rainbow and part of this community. But you are not an ally unless you're actively working to be one. If you have a gay friend, but you still make gay jokes, you're not an ally. If you have a gay friend and you let other people demean, or if you let these other myths spread, all the other ones we've talked about, you're not a very good ally, right? Um, but just having a gay friend doesn't make you an ally because like Spring said, you got to do something, right? Um, and along with these kind of myths, like I have a gay friend, so I'm an ally. We also have this whole new set of myths out there. Like <laughs> now that, like the gay marriage myths, like now that gay marriage passed, LGBT people have equality. We're done. We don't need to hear about it anymore. We don't need to see it anymore. We do. It's absolutely not the case. We do. Yeah. LGBT people have made huge steps forward, huge progress, huge amounts of success, acceptance and success in society. But there's still a lot of issues um, right now in the United States. There's a whole bunch of states that are trying to strip away rights in Europe. Um, they're legislating, making it illegal to be gay in, in European countries like happening today. Um so certainly progress has been made, but progress is slow and it's really easy to backslide and backstep. So we need to be vigilant. Um, a recent survey of lesbian, gay and bisexual people um, in the last year, uh, when we look at them, 52 to 87 percent had been verbally harassed, uh, 21 to 27 percent had been pelted with objects, 13 to 38 percent had been chased or followed, 9 to 24 percent had been physically assaulted. There are a lot of issues that LGBTQ people face. We still need help. We still need allies. We still have a lot of work to do if we want to get up to equity. Um, and these myths are just about people kind of being blasé, like, oh, I have an, I'm, I have a gay friend. I don't have to try. Or, oh, they got gay marriage. Everything's fine. Yeah, I want to. I kind of want to talk about this, like, um, this idea of being an ally a little more, right? Because we um, have talked a lot about this um, in Black Lives Matter, I and mean, when we're talking about, you know. Um, 
Like, so for example, I'm white, so I already have a seat at the table, right? Andrew's a white man. He has a seat at a lot of tables. And so it is his job as an ally to be loud and be vocal and bring other people that don't already have that seat there to bring people into the conversation and to make sure their voices are heard. And so that is what he's talking about that we still need for LGBTQ people. We still need people that are identify as straight, that identify as cisgender, speaking up and saying these issues are important because those are the people that are going to be more actively listened to because other people that don't believe that will say, oh, yeah, these people aren't just saying it because that's their identity or that's their orientation. They're saying it so it must be true. And that's the problem that we, we have to have people that are on the outside as allies to have these other people that aren't listening start to listen. I mean, it seems self-serving when a gay person goes to an event and says, well, gay rights matter and my rights are important. When you have somebody who's not gay who goes to that event and says, I really think the rights of all of the other people who aren't me are also important. Another really important thing about becoming an ally, and we talked about this last year uh, when we were talking about Black Lives Matter, um, is that like you don't hold the megaphone either. And it's really hard, especially when you're really passionate. Um, and sometimes you're the only one in the room. And at that point, you have that megaphone and you shout to the rooftops and, and like you, you be your best ally self. Whenever you're working with a, a group of queer people as an ally, it is your job to lift them up and promote their voices, right? So you want to yeah. be giving them the megaphone. You want to be amplifying their voices. Um, you're not their savior, right? It's not your job to go in there and do all of the work. It's your job to go in there and help and help with visibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once you're there, pass the mic to them, right? So like we actually do want LGBTQ voices heard, but we also need support in doing that. So it's like help really amplify them. Absolutely. All right. Let's see. So we're talking about these myths. We're talking about some of like the progress myths. There's only... Oh my gosh, we've been going for almost 35 minutes. So we're going to speed it up here. Um, <laughs> along with these are why are gay people always asking for special privileges like marriage and benefits? Those aren't special privileges, right? <laughs> like asking for equality, right, is not special privilege. Now, if LGBTQ plus people were saying, well, we shouldn't have to pay taxes anymore, that would be a special privilege. They're not asking for that, right? They're just asking for a level playing field where they can get apartments and they can get jobs and they can not get fired and they can not get attacked, those kind of things. Um, And along with this is the LGBTQ plus people constantly flaunt their sexuality, like whenever they hold hands or kiss or talk about their partners. (laughs) Like For me as a gay person, when, when I hear this, I'm like, well, so my very existence and existing in the same ways that you do as flaunting who I am, look in the mirror, honey, and penguins. <laughs> no, um, right. I, this is one of those things where if you are a gay person, please keep holding hands and kissing and talking about your partners in public spaces. If you are safe, right? We need visibility because no one ever questions it. 
right? If it's a heterosexual couple who are engaging in those behaviors. So if a heterosexual couple's at a restaurant holding hands or making eyes or being sweet or talking about their lives or their kids or their families or anything else, it's fine, right? And that's where all of these myths come from because the world is structured in a way where it supports heterosexuality and it's structured in a way where it is anti-LGBTQ, right? And these kind of myths that they're flaunting it are meant to kind of tear people down, right? Attack that progress that we've made. And this idea of flaunting is crazy because flaunting means like pushing it in your face. And these are just people living their lives, right? And so like Andrew was just giving that example, like if a heterosexual couple is sitting there with their kids at a restaurant, they're not flaunting their sexual identity. They're sitting at a restaurant having dinner, right? And so... um when we are talking about people that are LGBTQ, for some reason, they are being identified only by their sexuality, right? That's like, that's what's being made primary about these people, instead of saying, hey, they're just sitting there living their lives too. And so um, that is like this reduction of the person. It's just saying, okay, the rest of this person or their life doesn't matter. The only thing we're focusing on is their sexuality. And that's the people that are doing that are doing that. The, the LGBTQ people are not flaunting something. They're just living their lives and they're just being reduced to this one aspect of their lives by this outside perception. Yeah, I mean, and this is once again, the kind of language like lifestyle and choice that people use to attack LGBTQ people. I mean, if you look at this argument or if you look at this myth, every single thing that Spring and I do is flaunting, right? And flaunting is just, just just living, but politically charged. Yeah. All right. So we have, I mean, we, we literally have hundreds more to go through. Why don't we just do a couple <laughs> little extras to, okay. to kind of finish out I the episode so today? Uh, I, and like, I, I don't even like talking about these because I hate even saying these myths out loud, to be honest. Like, I feel like I'm perpetuating them just by saying them even for a moment. And I know we're talking a lot about discrediting them, but um it like it feels gross to me to even say some of these. But okay, what other ones do we want to finish up with? So uh, we're just going to do a couple um, other more common ones that are on the lighter side, or maybe not. I don't know. So who is the man and who is the woman? I don't know about all of you gays and lesbians out there, or bisexual and sa- bisexuals and same sex relationships. This one, I mean, it makes me laugh now, but uh, like my partner and I years ago, like family members would be like, well, who's the man and who's the woman? I'm like, I, I, what? Like, do you... What? So so let's just explain this a little bit. So in this um, myth, it's like talking about, say, there are two men that are in a relationship and people on the outside of that want to identify one of them as a male and one of them as a female to try to understand the relationship. And so what they're doing is trying to fit them into their understanding of the world, right? So if they only understand things based on male-female relationships, then they're saying, okay, I need to fit you into this box. But there's no reason to do that, right? There doesn't have to be a man and a woman in a relationship. That's not what the definition of a relationship is. And for some reason, people use the only definition they know and then try to make everything else fit that. And so in this myth, it's just saying like, okay, (laughs) 
how about we just throw that out <laughs> there? You don't need to use this preconceived model that you have. And why can't a relationship just be two people, right? It's just because that's what a relationship actually is, is a connection between two people, not based on um, some type of gender role that somebody has to perform to be in a relationship with another person. I mean, and this is when you really dig into this one, it's saying like, well, women are supposed to like be at home and cook and clean and men are supposed to make the money and who's nurturing and then who's dominant. Um, we know that healthy relationships uh, can happen for anybody of any sex or gender, right? But um, the healthiest of relationships are one where everybody goes into it and everyone does work and everyone does has things that they like to do and don't like to do. Um, I like to cook, but I don't love it. My partner loves to cook does most of the cooking. Um, I'm super tidy and organized and I like things put away neatly. Um, so I do almost all of the laundry to make sure that it gets folded and put away and hung up. Um, <laughs> but no, like this question kind of takes your entire hu humanity, your person dumb and makes it a, who's the man and who's the woman? I mean, the first time someone asked this, I thought they were asking me who's the top and who's the bottom. And I said, guess, except they really, <laughs> they were trying to figure out like, man and anyway um whatever you want to be you can be and uh, uh. all right another another myth um is that lesbians hate men and whenever someone <laughs> says this to me um we have we're gonna have a big episode on lesbians coming up sometime very soon so we're, this is our only lesbian specific myth for the day um we could have done the whole hour talking about like subarus and u-hauls and but we're not doing that um lesbians hate men this one makes me laugh too like this all comes around because uh people heterosexual men mostly because lesbians don't want to sleep with them. They think they hate them. That's mm. it's absurd just because I hope all of the people out there who I don't want to sleep with, I want you to know that I probably don't hate you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, um, that's like, you know, a little bit of, um, a man trying to protect his ego is what that sounds like. Right. Yeah, so he's trying to make an explanation. And I think that happens actually a lot when um, men think that most people want to sleep with them and when people don't want to sleep with them, not, not to make generalizations, but uh, then they need to protect their ego in some way. And so that's what I think is happening in this myth, right? It's not about, um, it's not about even actually hearing lesbians say bad things about men it's just like okay i've got to come up with an explanation for this because i don't understand it like how could anyone not want to sleep with me they must hate me if they don't want to <laughs> sleep with me like no they don't want to hang out with you because you're constantly pressuring them into sex or <laughs> you'll say you got friend zoned but that's a different episode different day all right so lesbians <laughs> hate men a complete and total myth right um and i really like the way that spring answered it let's see what else do we have in here oh um Gay men are promiscuous and have sex all of the time. First of all, the word promiscuous is silly and we shouldn't use it anymore. And if we actually look at it, um, we see over their lifetime, gay men in relationships have just about the same amount of sex per week as heterosexual people do. The same amount. Wow. Hmm. All right. Let's see. The final extra, uh, trans people are confused. Wow. Yeah. I mean... That that's the same thing as bisexual people are confused, right? It's the exact same thing. Like it, it is just, and I mean, all of these myths, all of these myths are just people trying to explain things they don't understand, right? They're just trying to come up with some explanation because it's not their experience and they don't understand it. And they haven't, um, 
met people that it is their experience or know people well that have these experiences. And so they're just trying to say like whatever makes sense to them. And, and that, yeah, that's totally not true. And we, we also have research about this that like actually shows that like, this is, this is not a confusion. It is a real, like, I, I do not feel this. I feel this. And like, that's the exact same thing when it comes to orientation. I don't feel attracted to this. I feel attracted to this. And it's the same thing with your gender identity. I don't feel like this is my gender. I feel like this is my gender. And that is someone's experience and you can't invalidate that. And you can't, you, I mean, people try to, but like, (laughs) that's, it's like that, it's just like saying someone telling me that, um, I don't have pink hair. I'm like, well, I do have pink hair. I mean, it's, it's just, that's, that's my hair. It's pink, you know, and you can say that all you want, but that doesn't actually change it. And the whole confusion thing is really projection most of the time as well, or it's an attack. Like uh, we're closing with the confused because it's sort of a, a mix of all of the different sorts of myths that we've been talking about today. And it, you know, it fits in all of those categories as well. It's an attack on your identity. If someone says that you're confused about who you are, they know better than you who you are like uh, well and they're trying to dehumanize you as well right like well yeah. you're less than me because i don't understand it and they're trying to attack any progress that you might have made understanding yourself um and, and we want all of our people of trans experience out there to know that like we absolutely love and support you um and like spring mentioned the research most of the time like people of trans experience know very very young and it is pretty persistent and consistent over their lifespans as well. You're not confused. We just, I mean, how do we, get, we got, we got to get rid of these myths. So this episode, right, <laughs> like this will be the epicenter of starting to really erode these myths. And, and Spring and I both know that these myths still have power, right? They have power over politicians and, and laws and parents and families and, and churches and schools and bathrooms that we can use and who you can marry and where and adoption and like on and on and on, right? Like, Spring and I have been like, you know, a little funny about some of them, but all of these myths are powerful in our society and all of them have the potential to cause real harm in actual people's lives. And none of these are based in fact. They're most of the time made up on purpose to hurt someone or some of them come from like gay people are gross from like 500 years ago. And they just sort of like keep following gay people around until the next time someone wants to lash out again. So um, we're at the end. And my, my, my tip for this week uh, is really when you hear someone say any of these kind of myths or any other gay kind of myth, like take a step, you know, like pull them out for a minute, talk to them, correct them and let them know why that myth is harmful. Like, you know, you don't have to yell and scream at them. You don't have to get super angry and upset at them because most of the time when people, our friends and family members are saying these myths, they're saying them because they've heard them hundreds, if not thousands of times over their life. They've heard it enough times that they just believe it without questioning it. So from this point forward, where when you hear any of these myths, just, you know, help someone start to question it, help them start to grow just a little, and then point them to this episode and they can listen to Spring and I talk about all of them. And I love what Andrew says um, to help them question it because a lot of times people haven't really thought about it. They're, they've heard it, right? And that's what we talked about at the beginning. You hear it, you hear it, you hear it, you internalize it. It becomes true for you. And um, and a lot of times people haven't questioned these things and they haven't really thought about them. And so it's 
it's actually not that hard to get people to um, start to understand why these things are myths. Like you can just like turn it the other way and say, and, and don't attack them, but just say like, if someone says, you know, that um, a teacher being gay makes the kids in the class gay, well, then you just talk about like what, well, how do you think that teachers that are heterosexual or that are single or that are married, how do you think they're impacting the class? How do you think they're teaching that to the kids? And like, just start to talk about it and have a conversation because when you start to do that, you can start to break these things down fairly easily. And, um, and, and, you know, if someone gets attacking or if they get really argumentative, you don't need to, you don't need to continue it. You, you've done your job and like, and don't, don't feel like you've failed if somebody doesn't change their mind, but like the process is getting them to start to question it. And that, that goes a long way because, uh, a lot of times, you know, that people haven't been challenged on it before. And it's that first step. It's just challenging them that really starts to, um, crack that open. Yeah, absolutely. Just like cracking open that egg with the gay penguins. Um, seriously, <laughs> if you have a computer screen re- close by, just type in gay penguins in YouTube and uh, in YouTube, not Pornhub. I have no idea it will pop up on other websites, but in YouTube, gay penguins is one of the easiest, smoothest, most fun, endearing ways to show people that the world is a rainbow. And we get to live in it. And all you have to do is just start asking some questions. Okay. If you type in gay penguins, a lot of cute things come up. I especially love the images. I'm just going to say images of gay penguins. I mean, I can't even tell that they're gay by the images because I don't know what male or female penguins look like, but they're very cute. (laughs) We'll post some on our Instagram as well this week. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. If you have any questions or any follow-up for this episode or any other questions about LGBT issues, about relationships, about sexual health or sex, just let us know. You can send us an email. We're the sexwrap at gmail.com. That's rap with a W. You can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT and you can find us and DM us on our social media at the sex rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good pride. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school or just too music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious breakmaster cylinder the podglomerate a sonic universe